0: Hello and welcome to Unfiltered, the Teen stock podcast, a series of deeply honest and thought-provoking conversations with our youth. I am your host, Antra Pandit, and I will be in conversation with our youth about what they hold important in this constantly evolving world that we are all living in today. We will be diving into their passions and talents and highlight how passion is being used for a purpose. How would they like to help make a difference in a world that is changing every single day? What are the issues out there that they feel need to be addressed? and which are pivotal in creating a better and more humane world. Unfiltered will amplify their voices far and wide in the hope of illuminating their participation in this global effort to build a better future for us all. Today on episode five of Unfiltered, I have with me Swami, Atriya, Vivaswat, and Shreya, four very determined, articulate, and inspiring changemakers from the School Beyond Eight in Chennai. As passionate advocates for the LGBTQIA community, They are on a mission to spread awareness and educate India about how we can better integrate this community into mainstream society. Their recently published book, There's Room for Everyone is creating waves, encouraging conversations on how we can stop creating distinctions, eliminate stereotypes and biases, and also ensure that individuals from this community are being widely accepted and respected. This is truly a shining example of the powerful steps of action the youth of today are capable of taking. The book has been co-authored by six students from beyond eight, and it's only the beginning of the change they are determined to make. Unfortunately, two of the authors could not join us today, but I am truly thrilled to have the other four students and co-authors here with me today. Guys, welcome to Unfiltered, the Teen Talk podcast, and thank you so much for being here today. So before we get into this conversation on why we are here today, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit about each one of you and who you are at your very core.
1: So who wants to start? Go ahead. Uh, I guess I'll start. Sure. Yeah. Hello, I'm Atreya. Um, so first, I'll start about myself, because I feel that it would be better to start with that before telling why I got into this. Uh, so yeah, my name is Atreya. I have uh, a lot of interest in becoming a lawyer, uh, or something related to the to the humanities field. Um, I'm also very interested in sports, I play cricket and football. Um, So moving on to why I joined this project, it's because I feel that it's something that doesn't have enough awareness around the world. Uh, So I thought it would be kind of like nice to be a part of spreading the word around about uh, this community's existence and how we can treat them equally.
2: Thank you, Athreya. So who's next? Um, Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Um, I'm Shreya. I'm 16 years old. Um, I like music. Anything to do with music is... I I just love to be around that. Um, Yeah, these...
3: These past... (laughs) Sorry, sorry. So, um, hi, I'm Shreya, I'm 16 years
2: old. Um, I like music and art and anything related to music is what I just love being around. Um, so my reason for joining Kartaviyam was to learn more about the topic. I was aware of the LGBTQIA community and who they were. and But then I wanted to learn more in order to uh, strengthen and uh, widen my knowledge about the community, to be able to spread awareness better, and so
3: yeah, so that's why I joined Kartavyam. Hello, I am R Swaminathan. I'm
4: doing my A levels currently, and everything is in my interest, from music to gender discrimination and everything else, and beyond. My, my scope and my objective um, in life is to just be open-minded and take things by the day and not go long-term. And I'm having a good journey so far. Uh, this book has really been an eye-opener and so have been many other things. Uh, it's been a special journey and thank you for the podcast. Yeah, Thank you.
5: And uh, I guess that leaves me. Um, I'm Vibhashwar tanikala I'm interested in Everything that has to do with cooking, food, whatnot, nutrition, etc., um, leading into Kartaviyam has been a very new aspect. It's uh, it's not something that I've had experience with in the past, but it's something that's um, you know, enlightened me nowadays and my interests, uh, like Swami said, are wide. I can choose any topic and suddenly get interest towards it. And this time, I guess Kartaviyam was one of them. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for the introduction, uh, everyone. So, you know, usually after recording is done, um, I always come away feeling very relieved and a little better about raising my two young boys in today's constantly changing world. And a driving force for me behind my teen stock platform and this podcast unfiltered is this unwavering belief that students like you and the youth like you are taking your learning from school and applying it beyond the classroom walls right which is very important in today's world and you're doing whatever you can in any way that you can to create a more compassionate and healthier world now it's not been true for a very long time that change starts with adults I've never really believed that and you guys are actually more well positioned and more capable to make that you know that truly impactful change that we're all looking for Now, your relatively newly released handbook um, called There's Room for Everyone is a book that, you know, I have read several times from top to bottom. And um, I truly believe it's very empowering. And it's like a knowledge bank of how we can integrate the LGBTQIA community into mainstream society. And from what I do understand, it talks about how we can change perceptions and mindsets and attitudes and so on. And it also emphasizes, you know, uh, on what we can do to ensure that this community is respected and truly accepted. Now, what was your inspiration behind the book? You know, what, why do you think you felt so passionate um,
3: about putting a handbook on this together? Um, I guess I'll answer
1: the question. Uh, we had no idea we were going to make a book, I'll be completely honest, we had no idea we were going to make a book. It's just, we felt that we had to do something because we had been learning about the community for a year, like we had very, very deep discussions, we felt that we, can't, we couldn't just let, let go, all those discussions, and we couldn't just end it abruptly like that, so Swami came up with the idea to make a handbook uh, of some sort, and I guess that's what uh, pushed us to do that. Like, it was just a random idea
3: that popped up. First, we wanted to monetize
4: it, create money out of it, and, you know, do something with the profit. Give it as a charity or, you know, link it up with Militwa and do it as a (laughs) co-program. But then we realized that this book is beyond such thrifty things. You know, it meant a lot more for people in the community and people who are going to know about the community. And therefore... You know, we had interviews, newspaper representations, LGBTQI+, people reviewing the book, critiquing it. We had the promotion team of Beyond It coming and putting in uh, small uh, small pages, you know, in the Instagram page. And things got bigger by the day. So uh, from money to greatness, I, I, at a holistic level, at the personal level, you know, that's what the journey of was, you know, when we did the book. So it was, it was a good journey about how we started to learn about these things. Later, from a very small idea of creating money, it went into something kind of big. Yeah.
3: Okay, so, you know, I, I
0: believe that the journey behind everything that you do is very important and the why always matters, um, I feel, a lot more than what it is that you're actually doing. And the journey over the last couple of months um, where you've put this handbook together would have been a very different one for each of you. You know, I know when I write, it's a very cathartic process for me, and it helps me in so many different ways. And I'm sure it has for each one of you as well. Can you talk about some of your experiences
3: and share that with our listeners? Um,
5: I'll go ahead and give my experience. Um, so the way um, starting out was very starting out was very uh, what can I say. Difficult because there's so many things that we as people like we were like anyone else no idea no information still researching still in the beginning and it was a fun experience at the start just at the beginning all we were doing was learning we were doing what we wanted the people to do when they read the book. We were learning about um, the aspects of the community, not just LGBTQIA, also gender, in about gender, all those identities. We learned everything that we could. And we shared with each other, um, they started out with us sharing with each other about what we thought about the whole thing. And that that's what made us more honest towards what we wanted to put into the book. Um, I feel like that's one of the best starting points that we ever had. We weren't too, what can I say, too holistic and too philosophical with the idea. We wanted to be as real as possible and we wanted to be as level, level to the ground as possible. We had a goal in our mind, is to make sure that everyone within our community, you know, beyond it, our families, would did it? Obviously, it exploded and it went beyond that. And I'm grateful that it did. But we, us, us starting out with such small, small goals is what made us, uh, what made them achievable. I feel like that's, one of the best experience one of the best experiences anyone can have during any sort of projects uh, projects that they have but this um, as as we developed on it was it wasn't just a project it was now something that was like deeply rooted within us Karthavyam and the whole idea of making this book wasn't just you know we publish it people read it beautiful you know, we want to make sure that people read it people understand it people come back to us people come back and tell us oh wait. This maybe criticizes, maybe criticizes in some ways, that's perfect, all we are perfectly all right. Maybe come and tell us about some things. But that slowly moving into that aspect, slowly moving into the aspect that people could think uh, people, maybe we made a mistake, maybe we could have um, used better words here and there. Maybe we could have had, um, you know, we could have maybe we offended the community somehow by using some sort of slang that's very, very offensive. But of course, we didn't do that, luckily. and. I feel like that whole process of you know critical thinking constantly judging ourselves and constantly making ourselves more aware about the whole uh, community and learning about it like it's just about it's just like any any topic you learn about is one is something i never want to replace
0: uh, so let's stay on this topic a little bit you know you mentioned that you're uh, you know, you were looking for people to come back and talk to you about the book, and you know, you had reviews, you had criticism. Now, can you talk a little bit about what was the kind of feedback that you received? You know, what did
3: people say about the book and about the content that you have in there? Um, sorry, you can go. You can go. Uh, okay.
2: So, um, I think when we all. Finally, got the idea that we're doing a handbook. We were really nervous. I mean, especially like I, it's a very sensitive topic, and it needs to be delivered in a way that it doesn't uh, deliver the wrong message. And so, uh, when we started out, we were really grateful that we had a lot of help from our facilitators and even people from the community too, which uh, was a great thing because. we may know what to do and how to help them but they know what help they need more than us so i think it was a great thing that we spoke to people from the community took in their input uh, in like the book and when we gave them a sort of a rough copy of ours they gave us few pointers that we can change and i think one um, one point that was common with all the people that we spoke to in the from the community, but that we don't want pity, we just want support. So that was common and that's I think one thing that we really learned from the whole process. And
3: uh, I'm pretty happy about how it came out and um, yeah. Anyone else want to comment on this particular question? Um, Swami, what about you?
4: Reviews were good, but I'm not sure how many people actually read through the whole 70 pages. Maybe a few pages here and there, because their comments were very general and cliched. Oh, Fantastic initiative. It's very good for someone of your age to come and write about these topics. Extremely open-minded. Very proud of you. Um, but yeah, I think by the passage of time, people <laughs> read a bit more and come and critique on a bit finer aspects. Because, I mean, I'm just talking about my review over here. I mean, the people who came and complimented me were pretty gentle and vague. Oh, we're very proud of you. Oh my God, the book is fantastic. Oh my God, you guys, what about the NCBDQI plus community? And it was just these statements in different in different syntaxes. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, the, some of some of the reviews that we got were pretty vague. Others were astonishing, <laughs> but I think there's, there are better scopes to discuss about that at a later time, yeah.
0: Okay, so let's, um get into the actual content of the book a little bit. Yeah, and one of the very basic concepts, I think, which most people don't realize and don't know is that there is a difference between gender and sex, which you have highlighted in your book and you've talked about in quite detail. And like I said, it's not very widely known. So can you highlight what the important difference is between
3: both?
1: Uh- so basically, the difference between uh, gender and sex because even I didn't understand it at first. I thought they were the same thing. In some like medical forms, they'll be sex, and some other forms, they'll be gender. Uh, so I didn't really understand uh, the difference. But firstly, I started noticing that the places or the uh, I guess the tone with which it's asked is important because in medical forms, it's it's very like. Um, it's a very formal approach to asking uh, what you are because sex means by birth. What, uh, what gender are you by birth? We call it gender now. Uh, so it's either only, we, we only have male and female for that. But gender is what you identify yourself as because say, uh, I feel that I have yeah, uh, like a feeling of femininity in myself, but I'm a, by birth a boy or a male Uh, that's uh, gender, and I want to define myself as a woman, then that's gender. So I I think it's a very important um, difference. that has to be established between those two terms.
3: In simpler terms, sex is scientific and gender is social. Um,
4: Sex is defined by the genitals and the DNA you have within you, and therefore you're Put into a box of male and female over time when your mind matures with the people around you you choose to you know relate yourself with a particular gender it may be masculine it may be feminine in fact there has been a lot of work done on this as well there's something called the kinsey scale for, where it is rated from zero to six where zero is ultra uh masculine and uh six is ultra fem, uh, ultra trans so within that range uh depending upon a certain questions you can be um, classified as to what gender you really are. So, gender is a social construct, sex is a biological construct. And that is a very, very clear distinction that all of us should have in this 21st century. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so, you know, there has been progress over the last 20 years um, in the legal landscape and in the evolution of social opinions and attitudes related to an individual sexuality gender identity and gender expression. Um, do you believe that the old-fashioned views and perspectives of the LGBTQIA community have actually changed over time? And how fast do you think this change is with regards to gender inclusion?
1: Yeah, I'll go. Uh, especially because I'm interested in the field of love, uh, I'll go with this one. The, the truth is, there has been a lot of pro- uh, progression. Uh, we are less aggressive now but I am seeing that because I've been in the more urban part of the country. Honestly, I don't know how it is in the rural sides and how even they feel what they are. Uh, like do they know that they feel feminine and do they know that they identify themselves a different way from male or female or what their sex really is because I don't know all these. Uh, factors uh, I've only seen movies where uh, obviously there are lesbian couples and gay couples, so I I'm not like that suited to uh, answer this question. But still, there have been laws passed out which say that uh, no, it's wrong to uh, discriminate the LGBTQIA community. So I guess there has been progression in that sense.
5: Um, and I feel like it also goes beyond progression. So I remember you pointed the point about gender education towards the end as well. Um, And the idea is that, like Asri has talked about, um, gender education, that's what matters. That's what truly shows progress. You can have laws, you can have policies, but if people don't learn about these policies, then they won't have any clue about what to do with them. If you learn it and if you know that this is to benefit you, amazing. And that's what changes. Uh, It's also education. A person who lives in a village, who let's say has very strong opinions against the FGPGQI community may not even have an idea of what the community is. May have an idea that a person is not acting the way that they were born or whatever, what their mindset is. They might not know that um, a person can be intersexual or asexual. They just believe that this person is unnatural and they don't have any other education but that. That's where I feel like progression hits the hardest. If you have education. Uh, on these topics, and people don't have to accept that. People don't have to accept the fact that uh, I'm not saying you know you people have, deserve to be discriminated, but I'm saying changing opinions is very difficult, especially when they're old ones. Old old rooted opinions have such a strong hold on those who don't have haven't had the education as let's say children. Look at us. We've had this education for the last few years of our lives, and we've grown to slowly accept it. We've slowly grown to understand and it's not like our opinions have changed uh, because of an external force. We've internalized the education that has been given to us and we've ex- turned it into this thing that now we know that about the community. It's the same thing in the uh, rural side where individuals who themselves are part of the LGBTQI community have no idea what they are, have no idea what they want to identify themselves as. And that's where it's it's journey for them. For us, let's say, a person who's LGBT part of the LGBTQ community, in an urban area, it's it's part of their identity, it's a part of their Instagram handle. They can add he, she, they, them, uh, any any sort of pronouns they want to use, or you use the rainbow flag as an identification of that, that they are uh, part of the LGBTQ community. But if you go to the rural sites, rainbow flag is a rainbow flag. That meaning of it being, part of the pride, uh, prideful and being part of the community is not there yet. And that's where true progression hits. And there is, I could say there is progression. There is more. There are more and more people from, I personally, I know that from village uh, side, are coming to, not coming to, not coming to urban areas and learning, but they themselves are taking opportunities in rural areas to educate them. And slowly, if we ourselves and individuals Progress this and we ourselves go to these areas and teach them. I feel like we won't be able to change their opinions, but we'll at least not leave them blindly choosing an opinion. I feel like that's what matters truly.
0: I think how diverse you are and how inclusive you are is a very big part of how progressive you are, right? And it's different in the rural areas and it's different to the urban areas, of course. Um, And there are several areas where diversity and inclusion are stumbling. And that's something that you guys have pointed out yourselves in our previous conversations and today. And there's tremendous discrimination, whether it's in schools, whether it's in workplaces, businesses, et cetera. They all say they're diverse, but many are not inclusive as they claim to be. And you know, even areas like employment are, and housing, as well as still are problem areas. Now, what do you think is the way forward for these businesses and these institutions and so on?
4: Where does the change start here? Positively, the change has begun. Um, There's a fantastic book called Queeristan by Parme Shahani. Um, He has done a lot of work on inclusivity and how it benefits both corporates as well as people from the community and everyone else. He has had a very dynamic journey when it comes to policy making. First, he was, um, you know, first he framework policies that were exclusively beneficial to the LGBTQI plus community. Then he transitioned to women. And then he came with policies that are beneficial to people of all genders. And uh, you know there are some fantastic facts that are so simple yet we don't see much often in our corporate systems. Um, you know, in your LinkedIn profiles, if you put a rainbow by the side, it means that you're it means that you're queer friendly. When you when you give uh, marriage benefits to same-sex couples, it means that you acknowledge LGBTQI plus people. You know, when you give your um, application forms, if you mention LGBTQI plus and others, it means that you're also including them and seeing them as a part of your organization. And if you add them, and and if you add pronouns to ID cards, it makes a lot of difference. So uh, sensitivity training and these kinds of aspects should be highlighted, getting highlighted, and they are improving. So there are some very, 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 very positive uh, signs as to LGBTQI inclusion. Um, Godrej has done a lot of steps when it comes to corporate inclusion policies. They've influenced companies like Mahindra as well. And this is is becoming a global trend. and it's a fact that if corporates follow something, society will slowly get into it. So uh, Parme Shahani has done a lot of work on that. And therefore, LGBTQI plus community acceptance is improving. It's very positive. You, you also have activists like Grace Banu in the South, Dalit trans activist, who is working very hard to you know, bring inclusion back, see them as normal people, and impact rural uh, rural you know That was the topic for the previous question, right? So. It is in good light, but there needs to be a lot more effort from the education uh, side as well. Young children need to be educated about about these things. When you're young, you're ready to learn. You're more open minded. It's much easier for you to accept facts. From joke to seriousness, you know, that's 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 the change we want for the LGBTQI plus community. It was a joke back then. We wanted to become normal. So that change can only happen when children start to learn these things at a very young age with a lot of open mindedness. So corporate inclusive policies. Are they there? Yes, they are in their nascent stages. But schools also need to start these things up quite early. Uh, Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with you, Swami. And, you know, um, so what, according to you, are some good ways, you know, for education institutions to start teaching, you know, kids in the younger classes about this?
4: I mean, but the change is hard. but as a society, we, we do set masculine and feminine standards for any activity, right? We say a man is supposed to do this, a woman is supposed to do this, and then we, we create a family system, and then we appoint divisions of labor where the woman is supposed to take care of the household and the children, and the man is supposed to go out, face, uh, face the brunt of society, work hard, earn money, and secure the family. You know, This is the conventional mindset that all of us are put into. But this is a misnomer. The majority might be following it, but that does not mean you don't disacknowledge the minority. Right. So it it is not a single headed nuclear straight family that schools should be looking to develop. Their mindset should be more open and more inclusive. They should be able to market same-sex couples, but these things take time. Uh, Maybe this generation might not be so willing to bend their backs, but 20 to 30 years down the line, of course, now we've got a book down next time you might get a constitution done. for schools i'm telling policy makings are more serious so maybe as far as this generation is concerned people are still a bit more conservative there has been a lot of change since industrialization but the 70s to 80s generation that wave is still a bit conservative 90s a little less but coming onwards you know uh, parents will uh, people who will become parents by 2025 2030 you know that wave of generation gen z gen x YZ, from then on, you're going to see a lot of positive change when it comes to LGBTQI plus inclusion. It, it will take time because people are supposed to debunk what is normal to them and see something that's specific to minority as something that's common. It, it, it is not easy uh, because you, you've got to lose your back, you have to create a new one, you have to create, uh, toilets have to change, application forms need to change um interviewing and descriptions for introductions need to change these are all basics this is how we treat and view people all of these things need to change and therefore they will take some time but the change is and that is what we should be ha- all happy for and be catalysts for that yeah
1: yeah i, I would also like to share like, an experience actually um uh, before it goes out of context uh in my previous school before i joined the on date uh, there was actually a period uh, where they would teach us about this uh, this topic actually there was actually a, a, a an hour or so like 40 minutes where we would learn about this what happened was it was there for about one hour two once but then uh, some children were getting uncomfortable and like they told their parents and the program got kicked out so and it shows how conservative we and I guess it is a testament to how conservative we still are, but yeah, there were people who appreciated the program too. So I guess that's a step forward. So it, it's already started in education, or at least I don't know. In the school I was, it was there. Um, and beyond it also as an example where we have this pro- program, Kharthavyum branch from HLC because it was all- there also. Uh, so I guess it has already started in education, but uh, actually I want to elaborate more on the question because I feel like it should start in the family itself, like during the sides of, of bringing itself. I feel like uh, it should be brought up about uh, things should be brought up about the community. Uh, Actually, we during our discussions also we said we we were talking about how there could be stories made about the uh, that would uh, make that would normalize what or what we call normal today, uh, which would make the LGBTQIA communities' ideologies um, normal. Uh, such stories that uh, children would read uh, would also teach them that it it there's nothing wrong with uh, identifying yourself a certain way or loving a person a certain way, right? Uh, So it doesn't start from education, it should actually start in the upbringing of the child itself.
0: Absolutely, Um, you make a very, very important point, Atria. And, you know, um, in the book, like you said, there are some personal experiences that have been shared by people from the community who have come forward and remained anonymous to protect their identity and shared some very personal experiences and what their own journey has been. And um, yeah, I was also listening to this other podcast from um, this initiative called Swaddle a couple of days ago. And um, you know, there was con- it's, it surrounds conversations on culture and um, gender and so on. And this is a statement which I found very interesting. And someone said, leading double lives is sometimes the only way for people to assert their identity without being disowned by their families. But you feel like you are constantly on the run and it can affect individual mental health. Okay and this is just like one line from that very, very powerful podcast um, episode. And um, I was also talking to a friend the other day about you know how the youth today and um, not only youth, I guess, even adults, and you know over the last few decades as well, make it a point to hide their sexuality and are so afraid to be honest, because of you know uh with the fear of being stigmatized or not being accepted by their own family members and loved ones and people close to them how do we change this like you said it starts within the family It doesn't just start with the education institutions it starts from home but how does the change come about
5: yeah so that's a very very uh that's a very very interesting question because it's very difficult um family is something that we believe in whatever family whatever like as children whatever a family says is our it is by our heart we learn it it's our like soul it's part of our soul if they say don't do this we don't do that but it's not just what they say it's how they react to things as well um take an example of the big biggest thing in india you have let's say a bunch of members family members traveling in an auto, there's a person, uh, a transgender uh, woman, who's coming to earn money because uh, it's part of her job. Most of the reactions that you see on a daily basis would be disgust. I've seen it personally. I've seen people get weirded out or be like, oh, call them names or shoo them away like they're dogs or something and it's, that's where it starts, that's why the kid sees this happen and it's like, it's normal. It's happening. Okay, I imprint that into my head, and forever it's going to be there. Because what our family says is very hard to get off our heads, and the, the that's where we have to hit strike the iron hot when it's hot. That's where when the child is curious, like we've all said ourselves, Swami Atreyya, when the child is curious and when the child is having these things burrowed into their heads. That's where you take that space that's been borrowed and put educate, educate the child. It's difficult to do from a family because families will always have a certain thing, a certain, uh, will always avoid conflict. Conflict is a very difficult thing in families because um, constant conflict is very difficult for people who believe that by blood, they are always attached. You know, uh, Being attached by blood is this beautiful thing that we romanticized. And it makes us so much more harder to leave it in case it's not good for us, in case it's a toxic environment. And I feel like that's where education always takes up the hand. Education always takes up the hand in terms of even the family. Because a family member who is educated is also necessary. The reason we wanted parents to come to our Kartavim event is not because, oh, look at our child, it's, they've done a big project, good job. no. You want to educate them as well. We they, we had a big session, our big grand reveal. Our, our most of our parents came to our event, and they were asking questions. They were themselves contributing to this uh, uh, whole discussion that we're having, and it made it so much more special. Because as a family, like uh, if you are one, of, let's say uh, if you are one of the children there, your parents are there talking about something that you never would hear, thought you would hear them speak about. You you'd see that your parents talking about the LGBT community in such an light that you believe that they wouldn't talk about because they were not open about it. And opening is the matter, that's where it comes through, opening up. If schools teach children to open up and schools teach families to open up, um, let's say through events, small events, a child comes up on stage and talks about something in such because of the curiosity, they're so interested in the subject. You give them this little piece of information, they're so happy about it. And if they convey the same emotion and feeling to their parents, maybe even their grandparents, maybe they won't change then and there. But that openness of discussion, that openness of talking about something and not being scared is what I feel like is the key factor that changes um, you know, dynamics of talking about these topics in families.
0: I also think it's this constant struggle between what your duty as a child is and what your right is, right? And people always say that in India, you know, you know, the youth and, you know, everybody's always focusing on, okay, it's my right to do this and it's my right to do that. But what about your duty to your family and the elders in the family? But I think the focus is, I mean, it's it's always a good balance between both. I feel that's the right way to go. But again, that balance and that line is different for everybody, I guess. Um, You know, there are many laws coming up that actually eliminate, the rights of people within the LGBTQI community, I feel like every step that we take forward with laws, we take two steps back after that. And, you know, uh, what are some of the laws that exist protecting the rights of this community and that are actually being put into practice? There are many areas where laws exist, but um, they take years for it to be rolled out. And sometimes they look better on paper than when they actually put into practice,
3: right? So what are your views on that?
2: Uh, so yeah, uh, Yashraj, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think uh, there was this instance when my mom sent me a post from Instagram where it says the Madras High Court had uh, said that schools should educate kids about the LGBTQI community, and I was actually really happy and also proud of my mom that she had sent me that after uh the whole book release event and all of that that had happened um and like vivashvath and all of them said uh, it's not only about educating their kids it's also about people who who have been raised in a way that they weren't aware that the lgbtqia community existed but then now they're open to learn about it and my parents are an example for that so i guess these laws that are coming up will take time like you said but um, I feel like there are a lot of people who are working towards uh, such laws that uh, uh, will probably be a step towards uh, treating everyone equally. So, yeah.
4: I mean, as of now, the legal high court has legalized same-sex relationships. But when it comes to marriages, the area is still great. Registered officers don't really acknowledge these mar- marriages at uh, at whole levels and lgbtqia plus couples are still uh, disallowed from adopting children mm, that is still a big policy in the making uh, uh, adoption rights that um, it's very grey. marriage rights it's very grey. um other than that when it comes to right to uh, right to uh, life um, they have got it Uh, with a lot of struggle, from stonewall rights till now, with a lot of struggle, they've got their right to life. Other than that, uh, right to live better is still there. It it got to be better. Uh, There are some gray areas. Uh, The court may say by words, but in actions, it's really underwhelming. I mean, as a society, people uh, thought sex is a taboo when it came to education. Now it has become the LGBTQIA plus community. In the future, I don't know what's going to be next. But... Hopefully, uh, the legal system changes, and acts. Yeah, more action. More action is required on acknowledging these communities. It's a considerable amount of the population. This is natural. Being a part of the community is natural. It's never artificially imposed, and therefore, we must acknowledge this minority and ensure that the policies are, are affecting them. We should ensure. That there's, I mean, the data is very sparse and scarce when it comes to LGBTQI+ community. Not, a, not a lot of people want to disclose their identity in front of people. And therefore, the data you get from these people are very, very low and scarce. Uh, and so there are no real numbers to dictate whether these laws are being acted properly or not. But when it comes to the legal framework and how these people are getting acknowledged, it's still very great. Only right to life is there, but other than that, right to marriage is still great. Adoption rights, literally denied. So uh, these are two main focuses and areas uh, that policymakers should really be aware of in the future.
0: I think one of the ways that the community is actually being acknowledged, like you said, and celebrated is this festival in Tamil Nadu called Kovagam, right? And, um, you know, from the research that I've done and um, I know it takes place over two days and um, the main focus is to unite the transgender community from all over India. And it dates back to the time of the Mahabharata, if I'm not mistaken, from what I read. But um, I know I would love to know, and our listeners would love to know a little bit more about what the religious... The religious significance here is um
3: you know about the festival. Uagam
4: is this very interesting story. Uh, so I'll just give some context on how the festival is really celebrated. So Arjuna, I mean the Pandava's son, Aravan, is going to be sacrificed uh before the great battle, before the Kurukshetra war. And this is supposed to be an omen, a good omen for victory. And uh, it's been decided he's going to be sacrificed, but Aravan has a wish uh, before he dies, and his last wish is that he wants to get married. Now, in you know medieval India, to get medieval India in medieval India to get married before death is a taboo because once because uh, it was an extremely mono, monogamic society, uh, and therefore if a man lost his life, the woman. Could not go and ask for another man to, rest, uh, to live with, and if she and if she knew that her death is and, and if she knew that the groom's death is certain, definitely she would never be willing to give her neck off. So um, it was in that situation where Krishna transformed himself into Mohini and married uh, married Aravan. Spent two days before uh, before the Bali or the sacrifice, and that is the story. And till. Uh, till to this day during kuwakam all of these transgender people and people of the lgbtqi plus community come celebrate and view themselves as lord krishna and therefore uh, aravan so of course you know purushartham purushadevatam worshipping the husband is also it's a patriarchal system, but uh, people are part of the community don't view it that way. They see it as a very devotional relationship. So when they uh, you know transform themselves and become bridesmaid to Aravan, all of them wear bangles, all of them you know, wear uh, mang- or their Mangal Sutras, all of them put their kumkum. all of them celebrate. They have Pusaris coming and uh, you know telling the marriage mantras, all of this. And two days later, once Aravan is sacrificed, all of these women mourn beat their chests up, break their bangles, cry and shout out their despair on uh, why Aravan was sacrificed. This ritual is still being continued to this day and it happens in Kuhagam and that is the context for uh, that incident. And it also talks about the religious significance uh, for the LGBTQI+ community. We also have in uh, Shaivism literature, Ardha Arishwara. We can debate why it's not Ardhanarishwari, but we have a man who is there with a woman uh, half and half uh, creating again a non-binary vision of how gender can be viewed like. There has been a lot of significance. Uh, You have texts like the Kama Sutra that talk about same-sex relationships. Um, And being a part of this community was never new. Um, It always existed. Uh, people acknowledge this community there might have been discriminations casteism was anyways there so we can never say discrimination was never off from this community but hatred and saying that this kind of living is wrong is a very oriental thought because we have a lot of uh, abrahamic religions condemning the exist- existence of the LGBTQIPS plus community and once the british uh, british and the dutch uh, set steps into india that thought has been perpetrated you know developed uh, institutionalized in every way possible. And it is that coming and, and there and it creates a disconnect in history. Their people get lost because they don't know how far can they go in their past to really go and upon this community. Because you have people condemning them at the same time people welcoming them. Whatever's convenient we go by that because we're humans. And therefore that confusion happened and now it's in a very mixed jumbo. But other than that, the religious significance and the scriptural importance given to this community is quite lost, uh, quite a lot. The literature is actually pretty intense, pretty intense uh, when it comes to, I wouldn't say Hindu literature, but regional Indian literature uh, about this community. But when it comes to denying them and then not seeing them as normal is an oriental thought. That should also be considered and thought about. Yeah. That's very
0: interesting. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so, guys, you know, before we wrap up with the last one or two questions, you know, I think something very important that we do need to touch upon uh, before we close is how can mental health be made available to the LGBTQIA community?
2: So, in our school, we have safe space and uh, where we talk about our problems and hopefully reach out to people who are going through something similar and things like that. So I think initiatives like this where uh, students or just people in general uh, know that there will be people who they can talk to. And you know, I realized one thing was that. um, So when I first uh, put it, put the book that we released on my uh, story, Instagram story, someone reached out to me and they said, oh, I'm part of the community too. I didn't know if you would be supportive, but I just saw your story, so I thought I'd let you know. So that kind of, uh, I I felt really um, happy. And also I felt like if I had done this earlier, they would have probably felt more comfortable with coming out. I was always supportive, but I hadn't voiced it out that way. So uh, I feel like, I guess, voicing out to people that there are people that we can talk to and whom they can share what they've gone through with, um, I think that will help a lot, with their mental health.
0: Anyone else want to comment on this? I mean, um, you know, I Shreya, with what you said, I feel like everyone's always waiting for somebody else to take that first step, right? Um, you know, they're always saying, okay, I'll wait for her or him to sort of open up and, you know, lend, you know, be that pillar of support or lend a year and then I'm going to do it. We're always waiting for somebody else to take action, but I think we need to start ourselves. Um, you know, I think that's a very, very important message. Um, so lastly, guys, what are some words of advice to everyone listening um, that you think the community
3: would want them to know? There's one line from each of you. Yeah, just two moments. I guess that
1: sums up everything really.
3: Yeah. I
2: guess one more thing is that they don't want pity. They just want support from everyone and they want to be treated equally.
0: Uh,
5: Always keep an open mind is what I can say. Always make sure that regardless of what you have in your head, always question yourself.
0: Fantastic. Um, So guys, thank you so much for joining me today on Unfiltered. Um, I think that's all the time we have today Uh, before we sign off. um, I'm sure everybody would love to know where they can grab a copy of the handbook. If you can just put the details out here.
5: Uh, So if you access the, uh, there's one, one main way of getting it. If you access the beyond 8in Instagram website, uh, there'll be a link tree in the bio. Uh, to the bio, you can get the link to you, you can download the um, PDF immediately.
0: Swami, Akreya, Shea and Vivaswat, thank you so much once again for joining me today for this episode of Unfiltered. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you all. I know you have definitely opened up minds and changed perspectives tremendously today. To everyone out there listening, please do go ahead and get your copy of There's Room for Everyone Today. Unfiltered is now available for you to listen to on several platforms like Spotify. Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So please follow us to get regular updates on new episodes. Stay tuned for more inspiring conversations with the youth who are doing so much to join this global effort in creating a healthier world. Thank you.